In this podcast episode, we want to introduce you to our BCEN friend, Brandon Joins. Come along as Michael Dexter and Holly Briggs talk with Brandon about his journey in emergency services and nursing, and his new passion on educating pre-hospital and hospital staff about best practices related to patients with autism. This episode is called Flying the Flag for Autism Awareness. Hello, and welcome to the BCN and Friends podcast, where we hold interesting conversations about learning with a range of thought leaders, BCN certification holders, and industry professionals. But most importantly, to create value and insight for you, our professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. We hope you find our discussions interesting, informative, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but always valuable. I'm Holly Briggs, a professional development specialist at BCN and one of your hosts for today. I am joined by my co-host, Michael Dexter, Director of Professional Development at BCN. Hi, Michael. Hey, Holly. Great to be with you today. Great to have you. In this episode of BCN and Friends, we have Brandon Joins. Brandon is an emergency nurse with quite a journey within emergency services and is currently working in Texas as a flight nurse. Michael, could you please introduce us to our BCN and friend, Brandon? Yeah, I would be happy to. Brandon, I'm really excited to have with us today and have some uh, great conversation with. He is an emergency nurse. He has over 18 years of experience, including pre-hospital flight and transport care. Brandon started his career as an EMT in the early 2000s, and since then, Brandon has obtained his master's in nursing education in 2020. Brandon currently works as a flight nurse for CareFlight in the Dallas-Fort Worth area in Texas. He also serves part-time as adjunct nursing instructor for North Central Texas College. Brandon lives with his wife, Elizabeth, who in Brandon's eyes is the greatest nurse he knows, along with their two children, Finley and Stella. During Brandon's first year working as a nurse, his son Finley was diagnosed with autism, and this led Brandon to a new passion, helping to educate emergency professionals in practices to provide better care for patients on the autism spectrum during emergency situations. Brandon, it is a pleasure to have you with us today. Welcome to the BCN and Friends podcast. I'm glad to be here, man. Thanks. Yeah, we're really happy you are. And you know, you've worked as an EMT, you worked in pre-hospital, and then you became a nurse, but maybe you could just tell our listeners a little bit more about your your journey in the healthcare world. So I actually, when I very first started, I didn't want to do medical at all. My senior year of high school, I watched 9-11 on TV. I wanted to be a firefighter. So in the state of Texas, you have to do EMS before you to become a firefighter. And And so it was like, okay, I went to the most expensive fire academy I could find and did my community college EMT program with that money in verse. I I love being on the ambulance. I love taking care of patients, progressed to becoming a paramedic. And that's when I met my wife. She had just become a nurse when I'd just become a paramedic. And then I kind of gauged or looked at our, both of our paychecks. And I was like, okay, I could probably do this. (laughs) When I started nursing, uh, wasn't I didn't drink the Kool-Aid quite a bit. I feel like I got into it more for financial reasons. But man, the, the moment I kind of took that role as a nurse, I fell in love with it and especially emergency nursing. And it's kind of brought me to what I'm doing now. Good thing about flight is it's kind of that perfect mix between EMS and, and as far as this pre-hospital services and kind of doing what I can as an emergency nurse. So genuinely love it. Yeah. I like pre-hospital a lot. And that's also where I started before I became a nurse and I worked as an EMT on an ambulance. And so I definitely understand the paycheck part of it, but on the the flip side of that, 
it gave me so much experience and understanding and compassion for uh, EMS providers when they bring a patient in. And and you and I know sometimes you're on scene for 20, 30, sometimes over an hour, um, just trying to get the patient to a position to get in the ambulance (laughs) to get them. And then to finally get them stabilized and clean up and at the hospital and you walk in and the ER staff is like, what are you doing? Why are you here? What have you, why didn't you do this or that? You're like, can you just give me a break? You don't know what I've been through here. So I think it's so helpful for nurses to understand the pre-hospital side and and really gives you an appreciation of that care um, when you have that experience. So even though that might not have been your initial goal, I'm sure that as a nurse, it's extremely beneficial to have that background. I'll even say just the the scrutiny, I don't know if that's the right word, but like the scrutiny of the charting and kind of the performance you were, I was held to at least as a paramedic. Definitely, I always say being a paramedic makes me made me a better nurse, hands down. The clinicians that did mentor me uh, during that, I'm very grateful for. And the service that I worked for, I was, I was it was a high call volume rule as well as in city. Like it was, it was kind of the perfect mix. And genuinely grateful for that time that I did have in EMS. Uh, so once I got on the aircraft, it was definitely something I didn't realize how much I missed until I started doing it. Yeah. Well, Brandon, and it sounds like you've had quite a journey to get to where you are. Um, I will turn the conversation a little bit just because you are very passionate about educating healthcare providers on individuals with autism. And can you just kind of tell us how all that started for you? Because it's definitely a topic that deserves attention and it deserves someone to really be passionate and bring that forward so that we as professionals can embrace, you know, what is best for those patients. So kind of tell us how that got started for you. So number one, that's probably why I'm most excited to be on uh, the podcast today is just because given that opportunity and getting the message out there, I think is really beneficial. And it's something I've seen a lot of uh, pre-hospital and uh, nurses really want to know about. So for me, I kind of, in the intro, you guys heard that my first year of nursing, uh, my son Finley uh, was diagnosed with autism. And so, especially when I think back to that, my wife, she's an emergency nurse. I just got through nursing school. So I did all that training and and went through just past my NCLEX. Even when we started kind of noticing the symptoms of what Finley was having, my idea of autism versus what he was having, those two didn't match. Like I, I never realized it. Once we kind of started going down that route. I, I baffled me that it's like, well, I've had this experience in pre-hospital and EMS, and I just went through nursing school. I don't know anything about autism and definitely don't know how to treat this patient. In the ER that my wife and I both worked at, it's a really big family unit. In fact, like we kind of just had a Facebook thing where we're all like from that time frame going to meet up. And we're very family oriented kind of in that sense. And so the whole department knew when Finley got his diagnosis. And I always say it's kind of the same thing when you have like that nurse that speaks Spanish in the ED. It's like, okay, well, every speak Spanish, they're going to try to give them to that nurse so they can actually communicate. Well, one thing that was happening is you get this patient from triage and when a triage nurse is like, hey, Brandon, this, this kid has autism and thumbs up me. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. So <laughs> it was it was this role of not only being a new dad, 
with a special needs child. And then as a clinician, it's like, well, man, I don't, I don't have any idea really how to go about doing this and kind of the better things to help these patients when they come in the ED. And so that's what kind of started leading me down. There should be something that, that we should do because there, there really are some things that are different when you start considering treating these patients, especially what we naturally do in the emergency department can almost be adverse to the end goal that we're trying to do, which when you start to consider the massive amount of external stimuli in pre-hospital and emergency care, just the nature of what we do, at least making clinicians more aware of what we're doing, seeing how that that can affect and ways to mitigate that. That's where I really started kind of developing that. That's kind of what led me to it. I I wanted to make something that I knew that could reach, especially pre-hospital and emergency nurses and uh, specifically to when these patients are going to come through their care. So. So Brandon, what what would you say as emergency nurses or pre-hospital care providers, no, no matter what the specialty of nursing that somebody listening is in, what would you say would be important pointers you would give them or some tips? Because as you mentioned, there's just not a lot of education out there. So without without giving away, you know, a, a day's worth of data or anything major, what would be some maybe quick tips for them uh, on caring with these patients? I, I have every time I, I talk about autism, if there's one thing that I want people to take away and I'm going to do this, it doesn't necessarily deal with nursing. But one thing I can almost guarantee is anybody that's listening to this podcast, you know of somebody, whether it's a friend or a loved one that knows, has some, a loved one with autism, water safety, water safety, water safety. It's the leading cause of pediatric death for patients on the spectrum. And so if I, I have a a way to promote this, so I'm going to, but anyway, so what I, one thing I'll say is if you have a loved one or you know somebody on the spectrum, if you can get them any kind of swimming lessons, that is probably worth more than any gold or anything. You can give. I just had to put that out there. So as far as there prevention is, is a huge part of what we do. So yeah, I, I I'm telling you that you. So just to throw that statistic out, uh, in early 2010, 90% of patients, if they were under the age of 14 and they eloped from safety and died they died from drowning. So if you had 10 kids in that time frame, they got away, you know, to where they they weren't in a safe area and then they ended up dying, it was drowning. So the affinity for water for uh, folks on the spectrum, still a lot of people don't understand it. There's a lot of theories of just because it can kind of help with the sensory overload and stuff. But I'll even say, even for my son, like he's drawn to water more than any person I've ever met. I, we did four years of swimming lessons before he was really proficient in swimming, but the peace of mind that that gives, I can't tell you guys enough. So if you do have a loved one, you're looking for a Christmas gift or a birthday gift, pay for swimming lessons. I promise you that'll be the best thing you can give. So more for nursing since it's what I'm here for. Uh, like one, if there's any one tip that I can give is, if, and this isn't just for autism. One thing I, I Another point I like to bring up, this is for any patient that's overwhelmed. Decreasing stimuli goes so much further, even if it's just the tone of your voice, trying to dim lights in your room, if you can get away with it, really trying to brace and explain, uh, brace the patient and explain what you're doing as far as assessment and stuff like that. That can go the longest way for completing your assessment, any kind of emergency treatment you do have to give. Try to pay attention to those things. And even up to the, I'm an ER nurse and flight that works with 
uh, mostly ICU nurses. So I wear that proudly, but I will tangle cords easier than anybody else in this world. And that's one of those things. It's like having even something as simple as keeping your cords in your room uh, neatly kept in uniform where they kind of where it doesn't look bad that where I wouldn't notice that sometimes people on the spectrum, that's one thing that they notice and they can't get over. And that can, that little thing can impede your whole assessment. So just be aware of things like that. And I think you start that and you really notice, okay, what's going on. Anytime you start trying to minimize those things, that's you're, you're doing better for your patient right there. You might make a few people unhappy trying to convince them to straighten their IV. <laughs> their I'm IV not perfect. Tubing. I'll tell you right now. Like I, my patients yesterday, I, I did so. I try, <laughs> and, and that's all I'm ever asking anybody to do. None of this. One thing I always say, even when I'm training, I don't want you to do everything perfect. But even if you're doing the right things imperfectly, that is a great step. So yeah, anything that you people can think of, as long as that is in their brain, I'd re- that is a that is a win for me. That's really great. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it even because it is something that we don't often think about. And I have worked in critical care, uh, like cardiac critical care areas quite a bit. And it's so funny, like all the memes you see and the things about ICU versus nurses versus ER nurses are so true. And one of the things that's always consistent is that just the messiness, because we get so involved in keeping the patient alive and stabilized that we don't really think about all the messiness. And then that translates over to those patients that really don't need those primary care things done. Just like we just kind of get used to to the messiness of the ED and we don't think about it. So I think it's a great reminder for our listeners. So thank you for sharing it. Hey man, that's what it's promoting the good stuff. So I like that. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you and I have talked about previously was, uh, you know, you have your master's degree in nursing education and even with being a paramedic and EMT and and the different levels of schooling that you've had as a nurse uh, and just the different training you've had as a flight nurse, you, you've told me that there was very little, very little about the care of a patient with autism. So, you know, when you talk about things that emergency nurses can do for that patient, obviously part of our job is, is an advocate is for patients, but it's an advocate for our profession. So what could we or what could the listeners do to try to get more of this education out in the public or maybe in nursing schools or any way to increase that education overall to, to, to build up this gap that you're identifying, uh, in nursing education. Um, I'm hoping that the trend goes that way. Cause one thing I can say is even from since Finley, we got Finley's diagnosis to now the amount of awareness, uh, just in kind of general every day has, has expanded quite a bit. So I, I do think, feel like it is going the right way. And again, when I give this presentation in a lot of the folks that I speak with, like I've always had the, a lot of the nurses and the paramedics have been very receptive to the message. And I, so I'm very grateful for that. And I think the point is, is like, well, now people are at this spot where no, it is important. They want to learn it. The biggest thing that I can say is if it implementing simple, either policies within uh, departments or, and starting it in nursing school or in paramedic school, not just where you kind of talk about it, I think I told when we had that conversation, I told you like I one of the points I make is I I feel like that if I took the information that I've ever learned on autism and paramedic, when I got my ADN, my BSN and my MSN, I could probably fit that on one word document. 
and it still probably wouldn't fill it. Like it, it's not that I think obviously people know about it. Do, do institutions think that we should, or do they understand that we really should change the way we do our assessment and do kind of the normal everyday things that we do for that patient. And that I think is probably going to be the bigger thing is realizing that, yeah, this is kind of detrimental from what we're doing to what we should be doing. And we should probably change that. I don't know if that answers the question, but I think it's just starting from that beginning uh, education phase and then more facilities and everything, just realizing, Hey, this is important. This is something we should address, especially with the increased population you know, since, since Finley was born, like I said. Yeah. And that's, that's what I've, I've seen as well is there, it seems like there is a lot more discussion about it and there's conversations about the varying areas within this autism spectrum that patients can be on. And some, some are very high functioning. They, they call it, I don't know if that's the proper terminology yeah. used, but you know, high functioning versus those that have a vast array of needs, both medical needs and, and just personal emotional needs. And so uh, that might be why there's so much hesitancy is because people understand what it is, but they don't always know what to do. And they don't always understand where somebody falls within this spectrum to know how to adjust accordingly. And, and, and so because of the lack of, of knowledge of that part of it and the lack of education of that part, the distinctive thing is to, to go find a Brandon, <laughs> go find somebody that knows a little more and then shy away from it because right. they're just like, give it to that person. I, I don't know enough. And, and, but they don't take that initial or that next step to know more. Uh, and so I think it's difficult because it's, it's such a wide thing with so many people being diagnosed now. Uh, and yet there's so many varying levels without the hands on the ground experience that most people try to shy away from it. At least that's my experience. I a hundred percent agree with that. And I'll even say even part of my early career where like, I would be like, well, I'm not good with OB. Like when I was on the ambulance, leaning into the things you're not good at. If there's anything that autism's taught me is that every, there's more things that are genuinely a skill that, I don't think a lot of people realize. So even that communication or even the, the things like that, that is always something that you can improve on yourself and build on. If you're that emergency nurse or you're whatever avenue of nursing you're in, I, I, I'll tell you right now, like it, it's one of those, it, when I give my presentation, the first thing I, I recognize is like, you know, it's not going to be, this is a stressful event. It's stressful on the patient. It's stressful on the family members that probably brought them in. It's stressful on you as that clinician that's helping them. And that's okay. Just recognize like if you keep having kind of that positive forward and you know what you're doing or not, not, maybe not even know hundred percent of what you're doing, but you know that you're trying to get this better outcome. That's that attitude is really probably the best benefit for everything. And so I would just say, just don't shy away from that unknown. It's going to make you a better clinician. That's anything. That's not just autism. That's kind of my personal philosophy with everything is lean into it. It's going to make you better at the end of the day. Brandon, I think you've kind of touched on a point that we do like to speak to you in this podcast, and that is just the importance of being a lifelong learner. You cannot know just what you know when you came out of nursing school. And I think you've kind of highlighted that and the fact that you realize what I learned in nursing school, specifically when it came to the treatment of an autistic person or patient, there was nothing there. So, and what was there was, you know, it wasn't enough. And so if all I ever know is what I learned in nursing school, 
And that's just the hard line that I take. I am going to miss out on things that really are important because our profession is continuing to evolve. And I know you and I had had a brief discussion before this, but the pan, like the pandemic that we all just kind of went through, if I only said, no, I'm going to just do things the way that I learned them in nursing school. And that's my approach. I will not learn anything else. Like I would not have survived. My patients would not have survived throughout that entire pandemic. I, I really think that you've hit that out of the, out of the park, but what would you just say to someone who says, well, you know, I, I just want to be a nurse. Like, I just want to be a nurse. That's all I want to do. Why do I need to learn anything else? What would you tell them? I'll say this. And then again, I'm always kind of tactful, like kind of asking something, well, this is what I want to do. Okay. I'll tell you why this is important to me. And I have number one, if you just want to be a nurse, you're brand new or however long you've been doing this. Nursing is the most humbling thing. I think any of us, any person can do. I, I really, when even when we were talking about EMS and whether it is kind of before we kind of got into everything. I, I really wish there was like a course in high school where everybody had to do a shift in the emergency room or be that shift on the ambulance. Because that, to me, emergency care is definitely where you see humanity. If there's anything in 18 years that this has taught me is life can humble you very quickly. So if I, I know that I don't know everything and I still want to do better. That's kind of that reason why, well, this patient's going to be in front of me. I want to give them the best care that I can. That's why I became a nurse. Continuously studying, I think, is the best approach to that. Kind of a little bit more philosophical is one, and, and I hate to kind of sound cheesy on this, but like going through autism with, uh, when we got that diagnosis with Finley. And so then we started ABA therapy and what he does. One of the things I used to joke about was he's the hardest working three-year-old that I know. And so when I said that is because at three years old is when we started, he was doing early childhood intervention. Right now he does 24 hours a week of ABA therapy on top of what he gets in public school. And that's a lot of, I'm, I'm asking him to do a lot of work. He doesn't, ABA therapy doesn't have summer breaks, things like that. So like Finley has never had a summer vacation genuinely in the sense of having that time off. If I'm going to ask him to do that, and I, it, as far as a lifelong learner, like I, that, he is the embodiment of what that is because his whole life, he is learning everything that to try to fit in a world that's right now is not built for him. If I'm going to ask him to do that, I don't, I don't ever want him to look at me and see me being lazy and slacking. So I'm very big on, I, I, one of those people I read and study and I do it in front of my kids because that's the example that I want to set, but especially for him. If I'm asking him to go out there and do this, I don't want him to see me sitting on the couch being lazy. So that's kind of more, if I had that motivator, that's what it is. And the profession that I chose, it, it just kind of those two things kind of molded to where, like I said, I, I think everybody can study 30 minutes a day it is one of the things that I, I tell every one of my nursing students and people that I work with. You can study something 30 minutes a day. Hey, Brandon, I appreciate you sharing with that. You're motivating me. So <laughs> thank you for for that. And, uh, you know, obviously your, your son has greatly impacted your life. And, and I don't know if, if your son is the answer to this question or not, but we always like to know from people on this podcast, if there's a certain person or a certain moment that has uh, really made an impact on your career as a nurse or, or on your life in general. And I don't know if that's your son or if that's somebody else, but I just wanted to ask you that question as well. So uh, as far as people, like, I mean, that, that it could be a list that long. 
as far as like where I've gotten empathy, and this is probably switching gears a little bit, but the there, there's a moment that kind of impacted me. Um, my first year also as a nurse, and if anybody ever wants to Google it, you can, but our emergency department, we got held hostage by a gunman. This is kind of one of those odd ones to talk about, but the basically what happened um, when the gunman came, he went to our charge desk um, and our charge nurse, I'll, I won't name her name, but she's a great person. She's someone that I'll follow to hell is what I always say. If she asked me to, like I'd do it. But anyway, pulled the gun on her, told her that I want uh, all the morphine you have. I want to die. It was, it was about the craziest story I think you could ever hear about. Well, anyway, in that sense, one of the things that I did, and I'll try to make this shorter, but I ended up barricading them on the other side of that. And finally SWAT team came in and they ended up shooting the gunman. Then literally me, her, and there's about five other nurses ended up working this guy. And we did the full meal deal to just try to save this guy's life that held us hostage. I didn't realize at the time, because I I was just a medic before, and I was always this person that is like, no, I'm not stopping. So uh, and we were the only level one trauma center in that area. I was taking patients an hour later. So I didn't realize the problems that I had from that, but it in what it did to me, like just literally from taking care of patients that first two years to where I really started to step back and see the things that, uh, as far as becoming empathetic and man, I almost kind of got, I don't, I don't know, but it's one of those events that even in my career now, my feelings towards that person where at first it was a lot of this anger and I was bigger than the problem and things like that to where now I look at it and I, I feel a lot of empathy for kind of what he was feeling and what he was going through. Still, I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm not mad about the outcome, but number one, I, where I thought I was bigger than that, kind of being humble to it. And it's like, that is something that should change me. And so now I kind of look at those experiences as like, now I'm okay, especially in emergency care, when we do have those kind of bad outcomes or kind of critical things where, you know, like we, we see what I think a lot of people don't get to. I'm more open to letting those experiences change me now because I think it should and versus where I used to really push against it and not do it. But it's one of those events that I really like to look back and it's kind of shown how I've progressed as a clinician, as a person, and as a dad, you know, all those things. It's just like a, it's that event more so than any, anything else in my career. And I know this is kind of, like I said, I knew it was going to shift gears. I didn't mean to bring it up, but it, it really, that that's probably the one thing that I like to look back on and it, it just kind of show the progress that I made with it. No, Brandon, I think, I think you have brought up obviously a, an impactful moment for you, but you've brought up the point that I think sometimes as nurses, we're kind of have this mentality that we have to, you know, let things happen and then move on, let things happen and move on, no matter how that might have impacted us in that moment that we just kind of move past it and get on to someone else, next patient, next thing. And unfortunately, I think that really that's not growth at all. I think the true sign of growth as a professional is to allow yourself the time and space. It may not be necessarily at that very moment, but 
to recognize that that did impact me. And I did have a human response to the human suffering that I am privileged to be a part of. And even though it, you know, sometimes it's really hard and sometimes it's really ugly and really messy and the outcomes are varied. However, I think that just as you said, I have gotten to a place and I feel like it's a, it's a sign of growth that I give myself the ability to be a human before I'm a nurse. And it took me a while to get there. It's one of those that I was, I was very insecure and still like, there's still a level. I was very insecure to ever talk about that. Cause again, even like I was taking patients literally an hour later. And one of the things like, like it's when I say I carried that anger and it like, it really affected, I think even my patient care, not that I ever mistreated anybody, but like, it's hard to go. Like one of the things that is emergency clinicians were expected to do is you go into a CPR, work this person, you have this huge emotional experience. You can see the family kind of come in and watch what happens. And then 30 minutes later, I'm going for kind of someone with drug seeking behavior or, and you got to maintain that too. It was really hard for me at the beginning. And I think it's hard for a lot of people because then you're also like, why am I doing this? And why am I here? And then that starts to carry into your care and how you even communicate with those patients. And then it builds on that cynicism, you know, people can get real cynical and you know, that this job can do that more than I think any other job in the world. Emergency care. Let me say that I've been doing patient care literally for 18 years. So I know that's something again, like I say, there's so many things that are a skill keeping that in check. That's something that you really have to work on in the sense of not becoming that bitter, hateful. I don't, I don't even know if that's the right word, but just kind of, person when you're taking care of these people or your patients. The fact that I know like how far I've come with that. And even just, like I said, my feelings towards the event itself are completely different than now than they've ever been. What I can tell you is like versus the anger, resentment, and the cynicism that I had versus now where it's like a bit more empathy and me admitting that that changed me is not a bad thing. Like it's good to be vulnerable to those things, but I didn't let it tear me down. I didn't let it take me away from this because there's a lot of people, unfortunately, that event did take them out of nursing and out of patient care. So it's just one of those, like I say, if if it's, if there's something that impacted me to this day, that, that event still does. And it's just odd because I didn't realize how much it did. I don't think a lot of people do. So you kind of go through something like that. Thank you for sharing that with us. I know that, you know, it's hard to be vulnerable, even amongst your peers, even amongst friends who understand kind of where you're from, but I, I appreciate that. So thank you. I do a kind of a talk about feelings and nursing and, you know, how we have to embrace secondary trauma. This, And I tell people, I'm like, okay, now we have to get out of our feelings. Like we got in our feelings together. Now we're just going to get out of them because I know everybody's uncomfortable. I'm just kidding. I'm sure no one's uncomfortable. <laughs> and again, thank you so much for sharing that, but I am, I'm going to hard write it and I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. So what would you be doing if you were not in your current role? Oh gosh, that's a hard one. Cause I've done this my whole adult life. Morning radio show, DJ, is that still a job? Yes, it is. It is still a job. I think it is. Yeah, I think it is still a job. There are still radio shows. DJ in the dicks in the morning. Like, you know, I feel like I got that. So that, that, let's do that. I I love it. Um, I would like to be a guest host on your DJ show. I will spin a few things when you need to take vacation day. So that will be fun. All right. I have three categories regarding basically favorite. So here we go. What is your favorite book? It can be current or best of all times. So I'm like a huge comic nerd. Like since I was a kid, I have several boxes. My daughter, her middle name is actually named after an X-Men character. 
I know this is odd. There's this storyline in uh, Marvel Comics called o Old Man Logan. Uh, and even if you're not into comic books, I, I, it's a great story. Like just storytelling and art. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite books, which is not, I don't just read comics. Like I, I do read pretty regularly. But that I feel like you must have read a lot of books in your journey throughout <laughs> your nursing career, your pre-hospital career. So I think we all can say that you probably very well read, but to know that you are picking a comic that's actually really cool I mean, so. gotta play to my strengths so. that's right okay favorite movie again it can be current or best of all time i guess i'll just add to that uh since the marvel cinematic universe has come out since i was an adult like every movie that comes out is my favorite so the next one's gonna be ant-man that's gonna be my favorite movie it's just gonna happen i know it it is an event at our house i'm talking opening night my poor wife has to dress up with me and then we go to the movies and do that so we've been married 15 years she's on board she's got it <laughs> she's supportive but in ways that you know, maybe she let me name her daughter after an X-Men character. <laughs> I was going to say she's all in, it seems like, with your choices of favorites and that, hey, that's a supportive spell right there. So, okay, favorite song, again, can be current or best of all time. I listen to like punk rock and kind of metal and stuff like that. There, This isn't, a, it, it's more of a hard rock song. There's this band out of California called Middle Class Rut and they have this song, Busy Being Born. It's one of those that like, I don't care what, if I have to do something, I can play that song and I'll get it done. Like it's, I feel like it's like my anthem. My Super poor daughter actually knows every word to it. <laughs> uh, that that song right there i don't know why that is awesome any uh comfort food or meal that you enjoy nothing particular because like it's just kind of i guess that's always situational i love to cook though i'll say that like it, it's so i love my wife i didn't marry her because she's a cook like she <laughs> barely boil water uh and so like I, my role is very much in the kitchen Brandon, I'm going to, I'm going to, for your safety, I'm going to take that out. No, I'm kidding. She probably, <laughs> oh, she, she knows like it's, it's, it's all it's so, great. Well, thank you for answering all my questions. If our audience would like to follow you online, is there any social media platforms that they can hit you up at? Come to my Instagram at Brandon joins, just like it's spelled. I will answer anybody's questions on autism or anything. It's not like, I'm not a, I'm still very much a patient care nurse. So, you know, enter at your own risk in that sense. Like, I, I collect comics, so I'm still pretty goofy moron. But at the same time, um, I'm here for anybody, uh, especially if you have any questions or comments or anything. Thank you for sharing that, Brandon. And it's really, really great uh, talking with you today. And, and I'm glad that you could be on the podcast. I, you know, as you were telling that other story about the hospital and the situation that you faced there, I thought we could we could have a part two, part three, part five with Brandon. He's probably has a lot of different stories and things that you could share, but it's really been good. I am excited though, that she'll be in Dallas at the Dallas Learn Live conference in May to, to speak and, and teach on, on the care of patients with autism. So we're really looking forward to having you there in person. And again, thank you so much for being here, for sharing with us and, and with those that are listening. It's been really great talking with you. Um, I'm excited for the conference too. And guys, thank you listening. I want to take this time to thank Brandon for joining us for this episode of BCN and Friends. Thank you, Brandon, for sharing your time, your knowledge, and your passion with us. And again, I echo Michael when I say that we're looking forward to spending time with you in Dallas at Learn Live on May 16th through 17th of 2023. If you're listening in and interested in joining us in person at Learn Live, you can check out bcn.org for more information.
and to all of our listeners. We hope that you will stay tuned as we continue with BCN and Friends and bring you new and meaningful content and perspectives. If you have a suggestion for an episode, please email us at bcn at bcn.org. I am Holly Briggs here with Michael Dexter. And on behalf of the entire BCN team, we thank and celebrate you for all that you're doing as professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. Until next time, we are out.